episode number 67. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor-Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. So as I mentioned on last week's episode, I am now on vacation visiting my family for a few weeks in New Jersey, and I am staying with my parents. I wasn't sure if I'd have another New Jersey stuck story to share with you when I signed off last week, but alas, I do. So I'm going to share that with you. One of the things I love about this podcast is that I can keep it in real time. I mean, I do have a slew of stories I can share if I ever get to the place of not having something fresh from the week, but for the most part, it's all in real time. So it keeps the podcast, well, real, and that's important to me because there is nothing inauthentic about this podcast, nor is there anything inauthentic about getting unstuck. It's a real practice, and just like exercise, it's like building a muscle. If you do the work, you get quote-unquote, better. If you don't do the work, you'll just stay in your old patterns and habits of living, well, like forever. Getting unstuck will challenge you to stop and look at your reactions and check in to see if they're serving you or if they are serving others around you. So this week's story actually involves my parents, and I received permission to share it with you. And before I do, I just have to say Getting permission to share my stories that involve others is not a small thing. I mean, if I can share a story and keep it anonymous, it's one thing. But if I'm telling you it's my husband, it's my daughter, it's my mom, it's my dad, it's, it's an entirely different thing because it takes a lot of vulnerability to share your imperfections to the world, which is what, of course, I do each week. But most people don't, and they don't want to share their stuff with others because it then puts them in a place of appearing imperfect. But at the same time, my friends, when you show your imperfections to the world, when you apologize for being wrong, it doesn't pull you down, but rather, at least in my eyes, it lifts you up and it creates opportunities for you to become more aware of yourself and so that you can evolve as a person. And I think that's one of the reasons we are here living on this earth. So anyway, okay, enough of that. Here's the story. Actually, hold on. (laughs) One more thing. And this is just a caveat. I may get emotional on this podcast episode. It's kind of been an emotional trip between the passing of my Aunt Elaine, which I spoke about a couple of episodes ago, and being with family that I only see once a year, and visiting my grandmother who was in her 90s, and just really feeling the passage of time. For me, it's been an emotional ride so far. And so I'm just giving you fair warning, I may cry. I may not, but I may. So it'll be what it'll be, just letting you know. So while we are here on this trip in New Jersey, one of the things we will be doing is celebrating my son's bar mitzvah. He is turning 13 And a bar mitzvah is a milestone that's celebrated in the Jewish tradition, which marks a child turning of age. Um, And it's a pretty big deal. 
Now, the truth of the matter is, he'll be turning of age only when we return back to Israel, which is where the official bar mitzvah will be. But my family is not going to travel with us back to Israel. And I have a huge family here. And so my parents offered to have like a pre-celebration here in New Jersey in the synagogue. So that's the beginning of the story. Everything so far is good. So a few nights ago, my parents took my almost 13-year-old son out shopping for a nice shirt and pants and shoes to wear on his bar mitzvah celebration here, which is coming up in just a few days. Okay, so they went shopping, and I didn't take a look at what they bought until the following morning. The shirt was a short-sleeved collar shirt, and the pants were beige because in the synagogue where he would be celebrating his bar mitzvah, it's casual month in August, whereas if he were to be celebrating during any other month of the year, he would need to get a little bit more dressed up like a jacket and a tie, I guess. I'm not sure, honestly. But all I know is that there was a decision a few years back at this synagogue that you can dress down in August, which is great for us because in Israel, this is how we dress all of the time, all year round. And when I say we, I don't mean my family in me, but like our community. In fact, the entire country. I have never seen a man wear a jacket to synagogue in Israel, ever. It's just not part of the culture. In fact, I've seen on many occasions people wearing jeans and certainly sneakers to synagogue. To be honest, it was sort of a shock to me, having been brought up in another culture where you dress up to go to synagogue. But soon after moving there, I came not only to accept it, but actually to really enjoy the casualness of it all. Because what it does, at least for me, is it really de-emphasizes the focus on what you're wearing when you go to synagogue. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So I asked to see his shoes, and my son took them out of the shoebox. And what I saw was something like loafers, I guess you call them, like brown shoes. They're not sneakers. Um, and I immediately thought about how my son doesn't wear these kinds of shoes. So I asked him, would you wear them again when we return back to Israel? And he said, no, of course not. And I said, well, why did you buy them? And he said, I didn't buy them. Bubby and Pop-Up bought them for me. That's how my kids call my parents, Bubby and Pop-Up. And I was like, well, couldn't you have gotten a nice pair of shoes that you could wear later again in Israel, like a nice brown sneaker or like something like that? I asked him if he'd be okay if we went back to the store to see if there would be something else that he can buy. And he said he didn't mind. So I went downstairs and I asked my parents if the receipt was in the bag. And they asked why. And I told them that Eitan won't wear these shoes again. And it seemed like a waste of money to me. And I could probably find something else that would work. And my dad responded by saying that they really looked and they really couldn't find anything else. And it's okay if he doesn't wear them again. And I said, well, maybe you looked in one section, you know, like the loafer section, but did you consider like a nice, simple black sneaker? And he said, no, I hadn't thought about that. You know, that you can go try. Now, my mom, who was here in the conversation, didn't look too happy, you could say. And she also said that a black shoe would not go with beige pants. And I probably said something like, yeah, but is it worth it to buy a pair of shoes that you're only going to wear once? Isn't that a waste of money? 
I don't remember the response to the question. At that point, I had just left. I went out to the car. I was on my way somewhere. Uh, my dad came following, and he said that he and my mom quickly spoke about it, and they said they would donate the shoes. And I was like, huh? What do you mean, donate the shoes? And he said after Eitan wears them that one time, they'll find a place to donate them. And I was kind of like, what? <laughs> okay, so I went on with my day, and when I returned, my dad was in the kitchen, and I told him how none of this makes sense. And could he see my point of view? And it's really a shame to waste the money. And I mean, I knew I was causing friction, but I also knew I was right. And I wanted him to talk sense into my mom. Now I was stuck, right? But I didn't see it at the time. And so I didn't self-coach myself out of it in that moment. And so when my dad offered me a consideration, I couldn't even hear it. I just couldn't hear it. I'll share with you what he said in a minute. But what I did is I left the room and I just went to think about like what was going on and why couldn't he hear what I was saying. And that's when I finally decided to just take myself through the stuck method. So S, I took a stop, which basically I did without even thinking about it by leaving the room and going upstairs and taking myself out of the situation. T, I told myself I was stuck on frustration and I allowed myself to feel completely frustrated. You, I uncovered my thoughts and I checked in with the validity of each of them. I told myself, I believe people shouldn't buy things they are only going to wear once. I mean, I was pretty solid on that thought. But when I challenged myself and I really tried to think, do people buy things to wear them only one time? I actually thought about how my wedding dress, right? which I actually didn't buy. Truth be told, it was a gift from my parents. But my wedding dress is something I wore once and I will never wear again. So my belief that people shouldn't buy things they're only going to wear once, I recognized wasn't 100% true. I believe I could go back and buy shoes for less money that would also work in the situation. Now, do I know that for sure? Maybe, you know, I didn't know for sure because I wasn't at the store. So that's not entirely true. I believe it doesn't matter what shoes you wear. Nobody looks at your shoes. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I really don't put an emphasis on shoes in my own life. I don't own many shoes. But do I know for sure that people don't look at your shoes? No, I don't know that for sure. And maybe, I guess, some people do look at your shoes. I believe all my mom cares about is how my kids look. No, that's not all she cares about. I believe my mom doesn't care about my values. No, that's not true either. And I'll, I'll get to that in a moment when I get to the considerations. So when I took a moment to really look at these thoughts, I recognized that I really had nothing to base my story on because none of my beliefs were 100% true. So I considered that my mom taking my son shopping brings her great joy. I considered that my mom's been planning this bar mitzvah for months and months, and she's super excited about it. I considered the way my son looks is important to my parents. I considered it wasn't such a big deal that he would wear these shoes only once. I considered my son certainly didn't care that he would wear these shoes only once, nor did it bother my mom or my dad. I considered he's going to look good in those shoes. 
I considered not everything has to be done my way. Yes, I may have some different values than my parents, but it's not to say that my way is always the right way, nor is it to say that when they are buying gifts, that their gifts have to live up to my expectations. I considered it's rude to return a gift. I considered I could have just said thank you. I mean, asking for the receipt really didn't show much appreciation at all. And I considered it was kind of rude of me to do that. I considered I could have just said nothing. I could have told my son, after the bar mitzvah, leave your shoes at this house in one of the drawers, and maybe my next son, God willing, would wear them for his bar mitzvah when his time came. Regarding wasting of the money, I considered it's not my money, so who am I to say if it's a waste or not? And I considered one more thing, which is what my dad encouraged me to consider. He said, In our tradition, we have a teaching where you try to put yourself in another person's shoes. Maybe you want to consider that. And at first, I didn't know what he was talking about. But after a few minutes of trying, I did. I considered this is the first bar mitzvah celebration for my parents as grandparents, and that they put a lot of time and energy into this upcoming celebration, and that it's pure joy for them. And that by me coming and asking to return the shoes, kind of put a damper on things. And so that was it. After considering all of those things, and especially putting myself in my parents' shoes, I pretty much felt like an ungrateful daughter, and felt terrible for having had brought it up in the first place. I ended up apologizing to my parents, and I shared my unstuck process with them, and I think they were pleased to hear it. I told myself it was okay, I got stuck on frustration. It happens to everyone. So during my conversation with my parents, I also requested permission to share this story, for which I am grateful because I thought that you, the listener, would really see yourself in this story in the following way. You see, this kind of incident, it happens to all of us all of the time. There was no problem, right? There really wasn't. My parents bought shoes. End of story. Or at least it could have been the end of the story. But I turned it into a problem. Can you see that? The thoughts in my mind created a problem when there really was no story there, right? And we get stuck because of the thoughts in our minds. But all of us can get unstuck. We all can. And I think a lot of us just do that without even recognizing that we create problems when really problems don't exist. So for today or for this week, I challenge you to consider putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Not like halfway, but like as fully as you can. It's not easy and you really can't ever know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes, but do the best you can. I think it may really help you broaden your perspective on things. At least it did for me. Okay, my dear friends, that is it for today. I got through the episode without crying. (laughs) I will be celebrating with my family this coming weekend and my son will be in his new loafers and everybody will be happy as they should. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you.
Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com.